Another Oscar for Ken Ziska. <laughs> Probably not. They got those little sticks that you can hit people with that are hanging off the side of the yard, so. And please, make sure everybody showers before they show up at the yard. <laughs> Train, trains go in, but they don't come out. <laughs> Could you combine the helix and the yard into one thing so you would have a helix yard? Maybe you ought to just design the layout differently, then. <laughs> maybe, like just maybe. You're listening to The Crossing Gate, the official podcast of the Twin Cities Division of the National Model Railroad Association. The topics and discussions are about the world's greatest hobby, model railroading. Here are your hosts, Thomas Gazier and Ken Zeska. This episode of the Crossing Gate Podcast is brought to you by Deja, you bought it again. Yes, that item could be one building, freight car, or even an engine you see at the hobby shop or train show. You can't resist. You think it will be the neatest addition to your layout. You snatch it up, pay your money, and bring your prize item home. You can't wait to show your crew when they show up at the next operation session. Plus, how you immediately went to work on it. So off to the train room to find a place to store your prize. You look around. You see a great place to put it. You open the drawer or lift the layout skirting and put it right next to the one you bought eight months ago. Yes, deja you bought it again is common in model railroading. It doesn't matter if you're a novice or a master model railroader with your layout on the cover of a magazine. Ask my husband about his three ballast tamper kits, none of which are built. (sighs) So, next train show, remember not to laugh at the person with a written checklist of every item in their blue tubs. At least they are not buying another sand tower to bring home and place it next to the same sand tower they bought last year. Deja, you bought it again, comes in all scales and railroad names. Does anyone want a ballast tamper, whatever that is? Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Crossing Gate podcast. Today, I'm joined by uh, three other individuals, and we are going to talk about yards. And so the first person I'd like to introduce you to is Ken Borowski. Ken? Hey, Ken. How you doing today? Glad Good. to be here. Uh, next person I want to say hello to is Dan Dosa. Dr. Dan, what do you got to say? Hey, it's great to be here. Good afternoon, everybody, and I hope you're having a wonderful day. And it's always great to have you, Dan. And uh, Greg, how's everything down in Bunnyland? Uh, things are fine down here. Good afternoon, Ken. I hope things are going well with you. Things are going great. Tonight, uh, we're going to talk about yards. Ken, tell us about how you use yards in your layout yeah on my uh clinchfield layout at, at home well the area that i model i'm actually modeling in between two yards so i don't really need to have a yard on my layout my yards are basically staging yards on the north end and south end of my layout and if i were to model a yard on my layout for the prototype it would have only been there for crew changes so it wasn't much of a classification yard as much as it was just the 
place to store through trains and they would swap crews. So there wasn't a whole lot to the Irwin, Tennessee yard, per se. The yards on my layout are basically staging yards that I've over the years evolved into kind of active staging. Because the yard master that works the yard, he can actually work both yards, the north end and the south end, because they're both in the same staging room. He's basically hustling power on and off the trains. There's a couple locals that run out of the yards that he's got to get things set up for. But generally, it's just the staging yard. It's up to his his option, I guess, is if he wants to start flipping waybills and car cards and stuff as the trains arrive on inbound trains, which doesn't really affect any of the operation for the current session. All the stuff that uh, he would be doing would all be for the next session. I think that's an issue with some yards that are located in the middle of, of a layout is it, if the yard operator isn't familiar with the layout or just takes a little longer to get, you know, some of the cars switched and stuff, it could really have a big effect on the whole op- operation. Whereas on my layout, it's generally just the staging yard and yard master's choice, whether he wants to start, you know, sorting things for the next, next session or not, which most people tend uh, to do because it gives them something to do. But yeah, my my yard on my layout um, isn't like part of the main main run of the train. It's on it's on both ends of the layout. Great, thanks, Greg. Tell us about how you use a yard on your layout. Well, I had, I had originally intended to build a yard on my layout that was sort of the traditional model railroad yard. Where you have a yard master, trains come in, they you know they break trains down, they sort cars, they build trains, and they, they send locals out. But one of the things um, that quickly became apparent, so I, and I built a rather long yard with five, six tracks, six tracks and two arri- an arrival and a departure track. So uh, eight tracks total plus the main line. What I found is in order to support that kind of operation where the yard master, maybe even he would be a footboard yard master, it needs a lot of sort of trains sort of coming in and going in order to sort all those, you know, in order to make the operations interesting. You have to be able to have multiple. You can't have one train come in. They break it down and they sort it. You need several trains coming in and going and several trains going out. And my layout really wasn't intended to do that. So it sort of evolved, and I, my, the yard that I have that's basically in the center of my layout sort of is, it's just a giant open staging yard. It's really a fiddle yard because I take cars on and off in between sessions, but not during the session, really. Nobody really works it. So I, I had intended to have a yard master there, but it's, it's more of an industry support yard. The intention isn't a giant class yard that's part of a division point, you know, split between two divisions or something. And as far as you as an operator are concerned, you know, cars for your local are in that yard. You dig them out and you're on your merry way. How the cars got there, where they're going to go when you bring cars back to the yard. That's not your job as the guy who runs the local. Your guy is just to swap the cars out. What, so, what do you, uh, you, you mentioned a footboard yard master. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm not familiar with that term. Can you talk about it? How does it differ from the traditional yard master? Well, I think that the term just differentiates between what, so most model railroaders, as far as I know, are, have a footboard yard master, which is somebody who is not only the yard master, but they also run the switch engine, right? So they're the ones sorting the car. It's pretty rare. I operate at a fabulous layout, uh, Jeff Otto's down there in uh, Lakeville. 
he actually has a yard master. So that person has a clipboard. Well, he has yeah, for like his Duluth yard. And I ran as a yard master last time. I didn't have a throttle in my hand at all. My job was to get trains in and get trains out of the yard. And I supervised the various crews working the trim job, the class job. Um, their job was, you know, they had throttles, they sorted. But most model railroaders, you know, the yard isn't that big and there isn't that much work. So it's pretty easy for a yard master to not only control traffic coming in and going, but also then to sort the cars. Okay. That's good. Dan, tell me about uh, your outlook on yards because you don't have a yard per se, do you? No, I actually don't. I, I think yards are a bit of a luxury if you have the space. They look cool. They can be interesting and challenging to operate. But with the space I have, there, there's no room. So essentially, my quote yard is hypothetical. It doesn't actually exist in reality. What I have are two separate lines, both of which go to two separate staging tracks. The staging tracks simply are set up with an outbound train. Actually, at the start of a session, two outbound trains per yard, per line. There are two lines on my railroad. At the end of the session, the trains are simply going back into staging. So hypothetically, then the yard crews are working those those trains, but I don't model that aspect of it. So I, I don't use any actual yard. And there's no actual operation in any yard, which really was a function of just needing space for other aspects of my modeling. So, so Dan, you model the, the Minnesota commercial. Do those staging tracks represent the same yard for those? They do. Kind of everything comes out for the Minnesota commercial. I always think of the railroad the prototype, that is, as kind of an octopus. And the body of the octopus is the yard in Midway. The various lines emanate from that. And the traffic is essentially out, out and back on all of those lines. In trying to replicate operations on some of those lines, I, I wanted to to emulate the endpoints, the destinations. But on the other end, my yards are actually just, or my quote yard tracks, are just hidden staging representing that midway area yard. The, the brilliant thing about your layout is the fact that, it, it, for people who don't know, Dan has, has two levels. He models two industrial districts, if you will. If you were to model midway yard, that would require both levels to get back to the same yard. And then that would introduce the problem of how do you get the two different levels to connect at some point where it's the, the I really like the design of your layout because since they don't connect, you don't have to worry about the grades. You don't have to worry about a helix. And so since you don't model the yard, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. It's actually a really clever design. Uh, thank you. Thank you. It's uh, It was kind of a, a moment of necessity. And I kind of have to thank Tom Gazer for shaking me up at, at some point as I was trying to design the layout originally. And he said, they don't really have to connect, do they? And all of a sudden, the lights went off in my brain. And I said, no, they, they really don't. That, that made it much easier to put more layout and more operation into my track plan than if I tried to create a yard, which was just simply going to gobble up 
a lot of space. And I think that's all of you guys have yards of some type. And essentially, you've, you've all uh, described them as staging yards. I think that's a reasonable way to do this, that you either have a, a yard that's operational in some sense, that there's actually somebody making up trains or breaking down trains, or it's essentially staging tracks, which are either visible or hidden. To me, yards are pretty. They're great to look at. From an operational standpoint, my question always is, does your space justify having a well, yard? I think, well, I think a lot of it, too, uh, depends on what you're modeling. You know, the Minnesota commercial, you're like modeling you know, the last end, you know, the last mile, per se, where, where the rail car goes. So the yard isn't the big focus of your layout. You know, your layout is the final delivery of the car, where some people model, I mean, the yard is the main focus of their layout. You know, it kind of depends on what you're, what you choose to model, too. So that's why everybody's got something different. Some yards can be just huge, you know, 20, 30 feet long, 10, 15 tracks wide. But if that's what you're modeling, if you know, if you're if you're modeling a class one railroad, you know, right in the middle of somewhere and a lot of traffic, you kind of almost have to have one there because that's a big part of the operation. Whereas, you know, the three of us, our whole operation is just off in a different direction, per se, than, you know, the big main classification yard. I, I agree, Ken. And I, and I think also each of us has looked at modeling a portion of a railroad, not necessarily. The, the railroad in its entirety. And for yours, for example, your yards are a little bit dictated by the prototype practice. As you said, these, right. these are yeah. largely, these were largely crew change points, which right. is, I, I didn't realize it. I think it's kind of an interesting point. Yard switching is not a central part of your operation. This is a place where trains depart from and arrive to. Greg, I, I often think of your layout much like mine, if it were on one level, you have lines emanating from both sides of the yard, but the, the yard itself is not a critical part of the operations. It's a, it's a destination for the trains. Right. And, and I think one of the things, you know, we're, let's be clear, we're not bashing anybody who has a yard who is not oh. a yard. I mean, you, you first have to consider the fact is, you know, if you are having a yard as part of your layout design, the, the question I think you need to ask yourself is why? What do I need this yard for? And I think back, uh, there was a book, Andy Sparando had a, an interesting article, and it was one of the Comblock books, where the entire layout was nothing but a yard. There was nothing else. It was just the yard. I've always thought, well, that might be a clever and an interesting layout because but I think one thing you have to take into consideration is if you are going to do something like that, or even if you're just going to have a yard on your layout, I would think if you're going to have a, a, a yard of any size, then you're going to have to have staging tracks as well, because you're yeah. going to have to feed it trains in order to for it to act like the prototype, right? They take trains in, they break them down, they send trains out. In order yep. to do that as a yard master, I need to be able to send those trains somewhere. And I think the only reasonable place you can send them then would be staging, unless you've got just this monstrous bowling alley size space. Right. You know, you guys mentioned active staging, and that's a, a term I had not heard 
until probably 18 months ago during while we were doing this podcast. And I, I think that's pretty interesting. When you think about a yard, and let's think about one of the most famous yards around here and is would be uh, Jeff Otto's or uh, Rich Ramirez. Those are huge, uh, huge space eaters. And you've got to have a large, large layout in order to support a large yard. And if you get out of that, then are you getting down into being more of a pocket yard or a staging yard? For me, one of the things, you know, I think when somebody says like a prototype yard, I think of Northtown, right. Bensonville, something like that. I think a lot of, to me, it just, you couldn't model Northtown in a basement. You just, you can't and do it reasonable justice. I didn't bother to attempt. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bother to do Armordale or, or Bensonville. I just, because I, to, to me, and maybe to no one else, but to me, it just wouldn't look right. It wouldn't feel right. Well, one thing too, when you have a gigantic yard like that, you have to have so many more people just working the yard. You almost need to have a separate hostler just bringing locomotives, you know, on the trains and like almost a true yard master because somebody's got to be the one telling everybody what needs to get done. So it kind of eats up a lot of your crew too, which, which is another thing too, is if the guys aren't there all the time, you know, or if you're switching jobs all the time, it gets tough to get people that are, they get familiar with a big uh, yard like that and how to operate it. So it could kind of slow down, you know, your operation session, you know, at some point as well too, if you get people that aren't kind of up to speed on how things should be working at it. Hey, you bring up a good point there, Ken. The yard master would have to be very, very skilled on the layout where you'd bring the layout to its knees very quickly. Do you think, you know, Dan, have you ever been on a, on a uh, railroad and somebody's offered you a job like yard master where it was like not only no, but hell no? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think that's a level of experience. I think of, of, a real yardmaster job as a very advanced level of operation, mm-hmm. like dispatcher. I think, you know, those two is probably some of the most demanding positions you can have because you really are the linchpins in train movements on layouts of that type. And, you know, to Greg's point, which I think is an excellent one, nobody here is saying, oh, don't have a yard. I, I think the point is, Think about why you want a yard, not just, well, I have to have a yard. I have to have two yards because the trains go from this yard to this yard. Just shake up your thinking a little bit and your layout planning so you can say, well, does this really fit my space? Is this something that operationally is worth including? Or is it something that is better? like in my case, simulated rather than actually present. And there's no right or wrong to any of these. But I think it's a function of the size of your layout, how you want to utilize that space, the traffic on your layout, and trying to figure all of those things out, which can be a bit of a challenge. There's a term in psychology, we use functional fixedness. People keep People lock their brains into thinking a particular way. One of those things can be 
Well, I, I have to have a yard. No, I, I have to have two yards. Why? I just encourage people as they're planning a layout or thinking about layout design to say, why? What does that gain? What do I benefit from having that? And is it really that important to my operation, that central to my operation? Or should that space be better spent elsewhere? Well, one thing you you kind of have to think about, too, is it seems like nowadays a lot of layouts are getting to be double deck. And you know, a lot of people with a double deck layout, obviously it's going to be a pretty good sized layout. Well, they have more than one yard and they seem to tend to put them right above each other. And that seems to be the spot where everybody congregates because all the trains are either coming or ending up there. So you got all the people seem to have to be in the same three square feet of space all at the same time. So that's another thing to consider with a big yard too, is how many people are going to actually have to stand on that space to operate it. It is the kitchen of railroads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to think about your traffic flow. Not only the, the people, but the trains. Has, have you got the layout designed in a way, if you're going to have a yard, that the yard master can get things moving enough to keep the layout running? Well, we only can talk about this. But, as you well. said, Ken Ziska. Yeah, you you can grind it all to a halt in a moment. Well, we don't mm-hmm. even talk about this, too. A lot of people use uh, fast clocks, 2 to 1, 3 to 1, 4 to 1, whatever, which is great on the layout. Okay, so, you know, simulates you're getting through, through the countryside somewhere in a quicker amount of time or whatever. But the yard, no matter how big it is, operates 1 to 1. I mean, the guy is switching cars 1 to 1. I mean, you can't have a fast clock in the yard because you can't go any faster than it takes you to switch the car. So you get mm-hmm. the problem where trains are showing up quicker than they than they probably need to be for the guy that's trying to sort through the cars. So that can be a problem but, as well too. If you if you run these prototype schedules and you got all these trains coming, everybody's running off of a fast clock, but you know then you come to grinding stop at the yard because that guy's running at a one to one pace. So that's a whole other. <laughs> Can of worms with the with a big yard. So, no, that's a that's a classic problem in model railroading. Is that you have a fast clock, so the guys running over the main line, they have a throttle in their hands. They're on timetable and train orders. I keep my train up to you know up to the timetable, and I get to the yard, and then it becomes the yard master's problem. He's got to break all these cars down and put. As you said, they're working one to one. And now the guy who's the guys who go over the road, they're bored because, well, my next train isn't ready yet. And so now I'm going to yeah. go sit in the cool lounge for 20 minutes, an hour, whatever, real time. And you don't take it. Whereas the poor guy in the yard, he's, he's dripping sweat. And then, and then that breaks down into the guys in the yard are not operating at a realistic speed. There's yes. cars back and forth. I watched one guy one time. He was. He just kept his throttle on and was just flipping the toggle uh, on the top for reverse and forward. And he just kept. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen guys at Dobinish's yard. They get the uh, the car a little bit away, and then they reach down with their hands and go wee and slam the cars in to, <laughs> because they they couldn't possibly get it done fast enough with the uh, with the throttle. But you no, know, that's that's really a great point. Great point. Well, it it speaks to an interesting question underneath, which is, if you are going to have yard operations, how 
well staged? Are you going to have these yards? Because if you don't, you're going to be in trouble. And the second is to clear off a lot of extraneous cars. Because a lot of people love seeing a yard stuffed full of cars, and it looks cool, I'll admit. Um, I've also seen yard masters tearing their hair out because they're sorting through mountains of cars that they're not even using to get to the cars they need to, which is further slowing them down, just further slowing down the flow of traffic on the railroad. And in truth, I think that balance point is a challenge in establishing operations. How much is too much? How much is not enough? How much is just right between being able to use a yard to generate traffic and to get the railroad flowing? Yeah, Greg made a really good good point about when you know people start to just slam the cars around just to get the job done because they don't want to get so far behind to affect like the operation and stuff. You know, people go to all this care to to spend all this time with their scenery and their operations. And, you know, if you do the timetable and train order, which is great and stuff, but and it all comes apart at the yard because the guy is trying to keep up with everything. And he's the guy that's just throwing things around, just trying to get the trains built and stuff. And it kind of kind of kills the whole point of you as a layout owner building all the stuff, just, you know, beautiful scenery and stuff. And if you've got to go, you know, 10, 20, 30 times faster than normal just to get the thing done, you know, is that good or not? You know, I, I, you know, something to think about. I think we're talking around an interesting point here. Ken, you brought up earlier about people that want to have this huge yard and then send trains off into staging yards. And so they're feeding trains in and out. I operated down in in Chicago with a guy that had the Chicago Union Terminal. And he essentially brought in a parade of uh, passenger trains that got sorted, and some cars went to the post office, and some cars did other things. But other than that, they they pretty much went offline, off stage, if you will. And the play, the whole play was at the depot. And I think that's really great. And that speaks to the neat diversity of the uh, of the hobby, and I think that's pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, so Greg, you know, so we all know Greg is modeling in St. Louis, and he's got to the extent that he's went and, and uh, photocopied issues of the St. Louis Gazette down to scale size for his uh, trash around the house. Now he's going to do the St. Louis Union Terminal. That that ought to be pretty interesting. I'd, I'd like to see that. Yeah, well, especially if you put the acronym on the sides of the locomotives. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I <clears throat> never mind. I <laughs> 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 saw the light bulb go off there, Ken. <laughs> yeah, well, I I, I wasn't going to. I forgot, you know, without Joe Binish here, I, I just didn't expect the conversation to go that way. That's, uh, you know, somebody has to. There um, you go. But I think one of the things that we're dancing around, or one of, the, one of the things I guess what we're trying to say, or at least I'm trying to say, is if you're going to put a, and Dan's made this point, if you're going to put a yard in, ask the question, why am I putting the yard in? What is it going to give me? But then also understand what are all the costs of having a yard? It's not just the amount of space that the yard physically takes up. 
Because as Ken pointed out, if you've got a class guy, a trim guy, the yard master, you've got crews coming to get their train, crews bringing trains in, do you have an aisle big enough for four or five whatever number of people? Right. So now all of a sudden you've lost more layout space because now, like, a, you know, we said it's like a kitchen. So now you've got to have a lot more space around that yard. You've got track. Right. I mean, what's the what's a piece of Atlas or Pico Flex track running these days? Holy crap. You know, so then you're going to have 18 tracks wide by 20 long. I mean, there's going to be that. I mean, they've got all the turnout costs, all the turnout motors and stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. It's, yeah, they're not cheap. Yeah. So exactly. it's. I think the the thing is just go into it and understand what the costs are going to be. Sure. Sure. And to your other point, do you have, do you know that many people that you would be comfortable having down your basement? That's always been my motto. It's like, <laughs> yep. how many people yep. do you, the first rule of layout planning is how many people do you want in your basement? Who do you know that you actually want? That's right. Well, what's, yep. uh, what, tends to happen too is you know like we were saying the yard takes up such a big space and you're looking at it it's like oh that's the perfect spot to jam a staging yard underneath it so, <laughs> so now you got like twice as many people standing there because they're trying to get their trains out of staging underneath the yard where the other six guys are standing already it just kind of comp you know compounds the whole space issue that we've talked about you know aisle space and all that stuff and to pick on uh a comment Tom has made to me many times, which is, and then just to make it, you know, worse is the idea that, oh, well, my yard people can, uh, they can switch all the local industries there too, because they've got nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, and, and for podcast listeners, we, we should be fair. You obviously understand that Tom, Gazier, Mr. Split Rock, has not been heard on this podcast. He's he's having some medical issues with his voice, so we are taking advantage of that and savaging him. And all he can do is type messages to us on the side. And all I can tell you is he's very colorful. So, <laughs> so I that's have great. To look up a few of those words. Yeah, <laughs> he must have learned them in the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps has their own vocabulary. Yeah. I think it's just one word. The question, the, the advantage of that word is it can be a noun, pronoun, verb, adjective. Yeah. It, it can do it all. And your so, name. And, so, and your name. Yeah. So, uh, Ken, I, I have a question for you. Um, I'm yes, not sir. familiar with your layout so yes. much. Uh, do you have a, like a yard in the middle of the layout or do you just have staging yards on the ends or what's your, uh, I have a, uh, I have a visible staging yard on one end. It goes out to four different industrial areas. That's why I mentioned I, I hadn't really understood the staging, active staging yard concept until a couple of years ago. And that really made my life a lot easier because I didn't have room to do a formal yard. And, and so this works great. Actually, at the convention, there was a program called shipper driven traffic system that presentation and i've downloaded that and i'm going to play with that because i think that might be good fit for me back to your question there is a person that works in that yard as a traffic manager when you show up for an operating session the first trains to go out are already staged so they can go out and get those people 
away from you and off in different parts of the basement. And then you can continue to make trains up. And then as as people come back with their cars, you have to sort them back into different areas. I'm doing a lot like what Greg and Dan are doing, and that is trying to emphasize the final couple miles of car movement from the uh, the yard, if you will, to the customer. Studying, having studied the Northern Pacific, I understand there's there's multiple types of yards. You have yards where, and it's similar to what I think Rich's is, most of your trains are going through and only a certain number of them are being broken up. And then you have little pocket yards where where uh, interchange trains drop cars off and then the industrial switcher will come in and sort them out and deliver them. When we were at the Wyzetta Depot and the, the Twin City Division visited the historic Wyzetta Depot last weekend, we were excited because we saw a train sitting in the siding just down from the depot. And we thought we were going to see it right away. Well, it turned out that that train was sitting and waiting. And then a loaded coal train had to go through. And then a few minutes later, that train went out. And as Tom pointed out to us, the coal train was just traveling through the yard uh, on the way to uh, one of the power plants. The second train was a merchandise train that would have had to have been worked in the yard. So it couldn't come in until there was room for it to be taken. That's just kind of the, the two different types of yards. And a big place like Northtown can, can combine them. But for the rest of us, we don't have that option. We've got to select what type of uh, yard we're going to build. So that's great. So do, you usually, so do you usually assign somebody to your yard? Like I do. Somebody that you know can like handle it? Or is it just you know, just another position for anybody to fill? No, no, I, I, I want to have somebody there that can be creative because there are people that like to just get the car cards and go out and do the work. And if you're going to run an active staging yard, you get instructions that say Comet's company needs three empty box cars. If you're going up to Central Soda, you've got to send five empty grain cars up there. And so you have to have somebody that can select the right kind of cars. You don't want to send a plug door insulated box car up for grain loading and you don't want to send a grain car for merchandise loading at uh, Kermetz. Uh, and and even though a standard box car could take the Kermetz product, a good yard master, a good traffic manager will know to send the optimal car to the optimal spot. So that's, yes, you're right. That's why I don't just let anybody do that. Okay. So, you know, Ken, Ken, your yard is is actually fun to operate because although it's active staging, it's not so intense that somebody can't handle it. It's it's actually a really nice little yard to run, and I, I always I like the the scheme that you developed where you're saying, yes, I'm looking for three grain cars. I'm not looking for these particular road numbers, but I am looking for Three cars that haul grain, which is an interesting way. As you, as you said, you know, you've got trains leaving the yard right away that are already staged, which does give the crew time to then work on setting up the next trains. And I think that's, again, that, that speaks to not only the physical layout of a yard, but also 
how you're actually going to utilize that yard because even a small yard you can make into an absolute mess if you don't set things up accordingly. And and I think those yards, just like in the prototype, they serve the main the, the trains that are on the lines. They're they're that's their function. And their job is to is to get them moving, get them out of there and on to their next destinations. Sure. In my work with the great with the Northern Pacific Historical Society, I found that for a yard master having cars in his yard was absolutely the last thing he wanted. He's, he would be most happy if his yard was empty, uh, except if, unless he had to make a, you know, store some cars for say grain extras, but they don't want cars in their yards. So well, there's actually a whole lot of industries actually in the yard itself too. So if a person does model a yard, you've got, you know, the fuel tracks, the sand tracks, yep. you've got ice platforms in a lot of yards. There's, there's all sorts of other, you know, industries actually in the yard that, you know, can be worked too. So that's, just gives you more options as well. Yeah. And, and as Tom always says, just give those jobs to the switch crews because they got nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that whole story about the BNSF makes, uh, is, is another interesting point I just thought of. And that is, if you're going to have a yard and you're trying to have it operate like a real yard, and we talked about how the yard guys a lot of times get swamped, you probably need to design into your layout tracks that are outside of the yard where you can hold a train. Say, my yard is too full. I'm trying to get an outbound. The last thing you want is a train sitting on the main trying to come into your yard. Your yard is plugged, so you're building an outbound train. And now your outbound train can't get out because there's an inbound train waiting. Sure. <laughs> so yeah. that's another, if you're going to have a yard, that's yet more trackage that you're going to need somewhere else. Right. So it's, it's not just the yard tracks, I think, is what I'm trying to say. Sure. I think, you know, one of the things that if, if I were going to try to put a bow on this, I would say is not avoid yards, but to make sure you build the right kind of yard and make sure you understand the cost of the yard. Uh, how many operators it's going to consume, the square footage of aisle space it's going to consume, build the yard that fits the operation that you want to create, the one that will be, be fun for you. Again, I think that those points are excellent. Uh, they're spot on. And I would add that because some of our viewers may ask the question, well, how will I know that? I think that speaks to Go operate on other people's layouts. Yes. That, yeah, I can't emphasize how helpful it is to be on an operating layout, even if you're not actually running the yard. See how people have developed their systems to utilize their yards or, you know, or, or not in my case, but it helps you to understand when you're planning yours or even if you've Got an existing layout, and you're trying to plan operations. How best to make that work for you? Exactly. Well, I know we haven't even talked about like the width of a yard. I mean, I've seen some yards where if something comes off the track against the wall, you can't even reach it. You're, you're like leaning over the leaning over the yard. You're knocking the first couple tracks of cars off with your body because the guy built it so so wide because he needed to have 
28 tracks instead of 26 or whatever. And it's, uh, you know, that's, that's a whole other topic too. How wide is too wide? If you can't reach the stuff, it doesn't really do you much good. But uh, Absolutely. Or or space between tracks. Right. Yep. yep. What what would prototype, you know, in HO, isn't it like something like boils down to about two inches? Which uh, less actually. Yeah, it's, so like, it's, like, it's like you know, it, it's like one and three quarters or so it's really tight. So try sure. getting your sausage fingers in there to rerail a car. Right. And and, right. and then especially an end scale. Oh yeah, hello end scale. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, would you say if if somebody were going to try to take some advice from us, well, first of all, maybe that's not a good idea. But if somebody insisted on trying to take some advice for us, would you say design what you want to operate and then decide what kind of a yard fits that? Well, I guess the question would be is if you're modeling an actual prototype, you'd, you, you'd want to model the type of yard that the prototype has because that's yeah. kind of what you're doing. If you're just saying, hey, you know, I want to build a model, a railroad, and just throw a yard on there, it might not be the right fit for what you end up having down the road. Sure. So I always thought it was just a lot easier just to pick a prototype or even if it's not even the one that you want to model, but just base what you're doing off of a prototype and call it whatever you want. But at least you know that it's going to work because that was what the real railroad did, and obviously it worked uh, for them, you know, whatever type of yard they were using, whether it be a, be a, a crew change Yard, or like you were saying, Ken, where you just drop off cars for like a local, and a local comes by later and grabs them and goes up a branch line. So there's a lot of different choices, but you know, make it make it for what you want to model. Don't just say I have to have a yard and just throw some giant yard in there, and, and now you don't right. know how to use it. Right. Yeah. And historically, uh, again, from my work with the NP group, the railroad started with yards close to town, and they just kept moving the yards farther and farther out as they got more space. And then sometimes the yards in town got sold off as industrial places, and sometimes they stayed as pocket yards. But, uh, you know, that's all part of the fun, all part of the fun. And But that's what's exciting about, uh, about the hobby is we can all build, create our own, uh, what our imaginations want. So let's wrap this and uh, get ready for the next one. Which we'll, uh, which we'll start brainstorming on. Sometimes we call it a shower. And of course, in Minnesota, it's a drought right now. So that's how brainstorms go here. So let's have a final comment and then we'll wrap up for, for the afternoon, the evening or whatever time it is when you are listening to this. So Ken, what are your final thoughts? Hopefully what you're picking is going to work good for your layout because you want to have fun. And, you know, the bottom line is having fun. If it kind of scares off operators and stuff, you know, it's going to probably hurt you down the, down the road. Good. Dan? You know, I'm going to go back to right where we started. Whatever you build, whatever you design, however you create it, make sure that it fits what you're trying to do with your railroad. Nothing has to be there because somebody said, oh, you're building a model railroad. You have to have this and that, and the other. Don't be limited by what go. people have told you you have to have. Build it in a way that works for your space, your interests, and what you're passionate about. Right. Greg? I would just say, if you're, if you're planning on having a yard, uh, go into it and understanding with your eyes open what the true costs of the yard, not just the space of the yard itself, but now the equipment that it's going to be, whether it's the tortoise throws or the switches that are on it, 
but also the aisle space you're going to need, uh, the other support tracks you're going to need, whether it's staging or holding tracks uh, outside the yard. So understand what the true costs of it are before you slap it right in the middle of your layout room. Great. That's a great point. Well, folks, I think this is uh, this has been a fun conversation, and I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And I, I look forward to inviting you back for our next conversation. But also keep in mind, if you're anywhere in the, within the sound of my voice, you can come visit the Twin Cities Division here in, in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. And if we know you're coming, we'll set up some operating uh, opportunities. Uh, as, as we mentioned when we had our last convention here uh, just over a month ago, we had people come in from Australia, Wyoming, just to be a part of this wonderful group. And uh, we hope you would like to do that also. And Ken, you had... Yeah, one more thing. Since we're on the yard topic, uh, next month on July 22nd, we're yes. doing a picnic at the South St. Paul UP yard. So since we're talking yards, you can go up on the bridge and kind of check out how the UP does it. I just wanted to get that in there. Uh, 1230 on Saturday, July 22nd. Uh, we're going to hang out there, bring some stuff to eat and drink, and we'll have a scanner and stuff. We'll go up there and check out how they run the yard there in South St. Paul. Great. You know, and we happen to know somebody that's been experienced with that yard. And so uh, we'll be able to get some inside insight on that. And uh, he's actually going to bring the yard turtle for us to see. If you don't know, <laughs> if you don't know what the yard turtle is, you need to show up because that's part of the fun. So, <laughs> so that's great. So again, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and like because uh, that drives something, and I have no idea what. But <laughs> but because we because. We don't monetize this anyway. What the heck? We don't care, sort of. Uh, we're just here to have fun. And we hope that uh, you join us on our Facebook group. Tell us what you think and, and give us some ideas of topics. We've got a couple that we're thinking about. And, uh, yes, I'm, I'm reminded here that we do have a sponsor, and that's the Gruesome Casket Company. And uh, don't... <laughs> And the no, only industry any model railroad needs ever. I, I think if your if your layout doesn't have two eighty five foot uh, double door auto box cars spotted at the gruesome casket company, you're just not doing it right. So, <laughs> so thank you very much, folks. Uh, when you're on the when you're on our Facebook group, if you would like a, uh, some decals uh, or some stickers. We've, of course, gone down the sticker route just like all the big guys. And we'll look forward to uh, seeing you down the road. Thanks a lot. See you guys. Say yeah. goodbye. Good night. Bye, everybody. Good night. You've been listening to The Crossing Game, the official podcast of the Twin Cities Division. You can find us on Facebook in our group, the Twin Cities Division of the NMRA. You can email us at tcdnmra at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe for future podcasts. I like Tom's idea. Now we just record a podcast about how the only good layout is one with a huge yard. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I, I like it. You know, at some point I thought, this is the stupidest thing. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's listening?